0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ask the Expert, a daily series from 8.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. to help small small businesses. Ask any questions in the comments or use the hashtag QBATE on Twitter. If you need any more advice, join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Accountants and business experts are on hand 24-7. Now, during this live session, we will be running a poll, so please do engage with it, and I'll reveal the results of this at the end. Now, my name is Ketan McCrwana, and I am honoured and privileged to be hosting the 100th, 100th episode and live show of RC Expert. I have to thank everyone at Intuit QuickBooks for this, but what what an honour it is. So like I said, my name is Ketan McCrwana. I'm what you would call a serial entrepreneur. Uh, what that means is I've had a, a couple of businesses. Um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, an insight into my journey, my my life uh, for the last 20 years. And hopefully I should be able to do that quite quickly for you. I started out um, in a career in IT and electronics and healthcare. I've done some great things over that uh, period of time of my career. Um, I introduced the patient call and information system that you guys may have used in your GP surgery, the touchscreen system and the call system that calls you forward to an appointment. Um, I've actually worked for Apple, where I've done some supply chain work uh, when they launched the iMac um, back in the '90s, and um, and further on from this, I've actually had multiple roles in healthcare. It was only until around 2008. Uh, where I was advancing in a role where I was a victim to the the recession back then. I was made redundant, and I felt I didn't really have much choice but to go self-employed. Now, some of you may have experienced this in the past as well. Um, some of you may be experiencing some of this right now with what's been going on. It's quite a tough time. Um, it's quite a tough period Uh, You don't really know where you're going to go, what you're going to do, and how you're going to figure things out. But rest assured, if you keep persevering, you will figure it out, as I did. I started by going back to healthcare and asking for um, uh, contracts, Um, you know, pieces of work that I could get on with while they were still kind of coming out of that, um, that recruitment or job freeze that they had. As I started to accumulate more and more contracts, I actually found that there was was an opportunity here. And as such, I started my first business. Um, It was an outsourcing agency during the recession. That outsourcing agency, within 18 months, had gone on to procure £4 million worth of contracts and later on was sold to a Dragon or or an ex-Dragons company. From there on, I've actually moved into different, uh, different spheres. So I've gone into brand marketing. Um, uh, I've been into sort of events management. Um, all these different businesses, which I was very kind of intrigued to, to learn more about. I, I took the freedom and flexibility of starting these businesses and scaling. There was one failure. Um, it was quite a, a tragic failure for me. And that, uh, that was a £250,000 failure. Um and, and essentially that, that, uh, that came down to real uh, mismanagement of decision-making. Um, it was a great learning curve for me. But around 2011, I decided I wanted to move into this sphere of helping future generations excel and exceed. And that's where Enterprise Lab was born. Our company uh, was a company that um, was developed uh, to help bridge the gap between education and the the industries that were there, and we were doing proactive sort of training and 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 trying to identify different uh, business challenges from uh, from the industries and take them into the education environment. Um, little did I know at that time that it was really going to start to take off. I did an event in two thousand and twelve to respond to the riots that we had in the UK, and that got me a a position as a special advisor on youth policy with. Uh, then the Prime Minister, Prime Minister David Cameron, um, for, a, for about a year. What that did for me was just amazing. It, it, took, it took my career to, to the next level. I, I became more international. Um, I was being uh, shipped out by UKTI or the Foreign Commonwealth offices to go and look at entrepreneurship in, in other areas. I also worked on helping uh, launch um, the startup loan scheme from pilot to mainstream. And throughout this journey with Enterprise Lab, we started to help, well, we have helped almost 3,500 small businesses start up and launch, raise 20 to 25 million in funding to support those businesses. And we now work with over 150,000 people every year to help them really nurture, build, and grow the business of their dreams and aspirations. And because I am now here, with uh, on the 100th show, I can't believe it's the 100th show already uh, and 100th episode, um, I, I want to I be able to give you guys some uh, expert advice and information from my experiences, maybe even some of the clients that I've worked with in the past um, that will help you through your journey uh, with your small business. Having a business is an exciting thing, but it's also a very traumatic thing and it's also a very, very stressful thing. And I think it's it's so important that you're able to actually work with uh, other people, take experiences and learnings from other people and be able to engage those or inject them into your business to ensure that you can actually succeed in what you want to exceed. Uh, in. So keep your questions coming in. I'm, I'm here until nine o'clock to, to take those questions. Uh, it looks like we have a question here already from Janine on uh, Facebook Messenger, she says, i followed you for many years. I'd like to know what the best pieces of advice you have ever received throughout your career that's business-related. It's a great question, and thanks for starting us up on that. I think advice, um, it's really difficult to actually position what great advice is until you've either taken it on and then been able to do something with this. The first thing, uh, I guess, that um, piece of advice that I'd ever um, given, which was amazingly great, was uh, don't compare yourself to anyone else um, or don't compare your success, should I say, to anyone else. It's very easy for people to start looking around, look at their neighbors, look at their competitors, looking at their friends and saying, they've got everything that I want or need. Or why is it that they have these opportunities and I don't? This, this whole bit of advice is about staying in your lane. Each one of us has a genius. It's understanding what that genius is and bringing that to the top and working with that genius. When I was uh, in my primary or earlier years of business, um, I found it very, very hard uh, not to just focus on uh, the business in hand. I, was, I, I started to think about things that weren't really important, um, you know, Will I have this or how come, you know, this company over here is getting 100 sales and I'm only getting 10? And the comparisons of that takes your energy away, takes your energy away from what you need to be doing and the way you should be doing it. So... So one of the best bits of advice, and I still I share this advice a lot with, uh, with a lot of people, my clients today, is stay in your lane and never compare what you're doing to anyone else. You don't understand what the other person has gone through, been through, or is going through to get to where they are today. Instead, focus your energy onto your genius. Believe in what it is that you're doing. Understand how you're going to make that impact how your business, your product, or your service is going to create that value and, and keep driving with that. Sometimes business can be a little bit boring, but that doesn't mean um, that it's not right. Business that is boring um, is repetitive, which means that it's doing the right things. And again, you know, if you feel that you're sliding into that kind of vulnerability point of, of comparing yourself to other people, Reach out, reach out to experts on the on the Facebook community group that Intuit have um, come through, and you know onto platforms like this and ask more questions. Believe me, you've got everything that you need um, within yourself to succeed. Beth from Twitter DM, morning Ken. So happy to see you um, on Ask the Expert. What do you think the best way is to understand your target audience? Right. Okay. The best way to uh, uh, really understand your target audience first is to define what that target audience is first. Um, I think a lot of people um, um, just come out expecting uh, you know, common sense to prevail on, on, on the fact that I've got a product or service which is aimed or designed a, at a particular group of people market is much much more sophisticated today we we are a much much more sophisticated buyer we are much more educated we have so much resources like google and, and other things around us that we can we can get information from we are also very distracted buyers as well so typically uh, you may have thought paintbrushes, for example, let's say, for example, you sell paintbrushes that only painters and decorators would be your target market. But today, paintbrushes could be used for cleaning as much as uh, uh, painting and decorating. So all of a sudden, you've got yourself two different markets there. Now, so so one of the first things that I would say to you is um, do a bit of reverse engineering here. Think about where your product can or service can fit. Start to understand what type of... Um, person um it is and do think about them in the third person it's what we call an avatar build avatars you know this is Jade. she's 28 she's a single parent build the whole identity because what that allows you to do is really get beyond the surface of what our target audience is supposed to look like because if you just go to the actual level of what a target audience is what you're going to do is you're not going to be able to penetrate in and understand their pains understand who they are and uh, get them to feel that you understand as if you're only talking to them and them only so for the, for, for the first bit of exercise that we used to do at Enterprise Lab when we were looking at um um you know our uh, our education to industry type of challenges we were, uh, we had two different target audiences we had young people so when I define young people a 16 to 18 year old is what, where our target was. But we actually ended up starting to work with 13 and 14-year-olds as well, and we started to work with 19 and 22-year-olds as well. So as you can see, the audience kind of widened out a little bit. The avatar was designed on, um, on different types of... Uh, permutations. So those that are succeeding in their studies, those that are worried about their academics, those that don't want to be in academia, um, those that feel there's nothing else but academia for them. You see each of those avatars build there. And equally on the other side, what we were looking at is we were looking at trying to identify businesses who have challenges, every business has a challenge, but those that actually feel helpless to how they're going to be able to move forward. And what we were doing with them is we were having these kind of conversations. We reach out to both sets of um, our target audiences with different messages in different ways to be able to penetrate through that target audience base. So Beth, it's really important that when when you're looking at target audience, don't focus on the words target and audience. Look in between the lines of that. You have so many um, different avatars uh, and each of those avatars will have a different uh, approach or a different target uh, that you're gonna have to try and hit. I hope that really makes sense for you. Scott from Instagram DM. Hi Ken, what makes you get up in the morning and what motivates you? Wow, Uh, deep question for first thing in the morning, but let's go for it. Um, to be honest with you, I I'm the kind of person that builds a routine into my work. As a running an international company, I'm a father, I'm a parent, I'm a, I'm a husband. You've got loads of responsibilities around you, as like anyone else does. Um, I also have uh, multiple investments, and I, I do I keep myself very active in the business world. Put it that way. So um, one of the things that I do pretty much at the end of each day is I normally tend to um, set up a a target hit list of the things that I want to achieve the next day. Now I'm writing this at the end of a day. So I'm usually tend to be a little bit physically exhausted, but my my emotions and my my mind are still running at an exceptional pace. So while it's still running at that pace, I tend to write everything down. And now what happens is as I start to gear down at the end of the end of each day and I, I'm, I'm taking a bit of me time and stuff like this, what happens is my mind becomes still as I'm going to sleep. And, and it's this excitement, I don't know, that triggers back into me. I start thinking about that list of what I want to do the next day. And all of a sudden I'm starting to depict out the things that are going to excite me and the things that I just need to get done. And that's the first thing that gets me up in the morning. I'm, I'm almost jumping out of bed, almost target focused while I'm brushing my teeth and having my shower thinking, right, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. This is I'm, I'm, I'm looking out and, you know, out of the window, looking at this color of the sky, just getting this kind of, momentum um, going nothing really I'm not doing anything apart from thinking about it as I have my coffee uh, first up I tend to then start looking at that list that I wrote and immediately whatever th- comes up at me on the page I start to circle and I or I give it an asterisk anything that doesn't really appeal to me I start to kind of give uh, I start to put a red marker next to it. Now, from there, what I then do is I will then look to uh, look at everything that's got a red marker and then understand, is there anything in this that I have to get done? Is there a non-negotiable in there? And if, uh, if there is, that needs to be added. Remember, life is full of balance. You can't have everything that you like and want. You've got to do certain things that perhaps you don't really enjoy. But the, the, for me, it's keeping a, that balance of energy throughout the whole day. I don't go peak trough, peak trough, peak trough because... The problem with that is your energy goes up, then it goes back down, then it goes back up, then it goes back down, and that, that's exhausting. But for me, what motivates me is getting getting through something, being able to impact, uh, working on something that I enjoy, feeling good about uh, the things that I'm doing. So, so you've got to be able to curate that into your day. Otherwise, what will happen is you're just going to go, peak trough, peak trough, peak trough, and believe me, by the end of the day, You won't even want to relax. You just want to go to sleep. So try, try try thinking about building a, uh, building a little bit of a list the night before thinking, you know, as you, as you're kind of look at the things that excite you, just think about those things that excite you, but give yourself a bit of downtime to, 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 still your mind. You need to really still your mind make sure there's no other factors that are coming into this. And throughout your day, throughout your day, always work towards the things that are gonna drive you and push you forward. I mean, there is no better feeling than putting that massive big tick or a scratch through something that you've done in your to do list. Something that you perhaps have been putting off for so so long. So so look at things um, in, in those particular ways. Those are the things that motivate me. Uh, what inspires me, uh, which is not directly in your question, but what really does inspire me is being able to be, uh, to serve people more than anything else. I mean, if I don't have calls in my diary, uh, guess what I'm doing? I'm actually calling people up myself. So, So if I haven't got client calls, consultations, or if I haven't got a mentoring call or anything to do, I'll ring up some of my old clients, my existing clients, and I'll say, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? Is there anything I can help with? That's the bit that kind of drives me and keeps me going. So think about the, the drivers in life and try to plan out a consistent piece which allows you to move from one, one driver or one motivator to another to another rather than this whole peak trough, peak trough, peak trough. Lily from Facebook Messenger. Hey, what are some of the variables I should think about when I'm making my first investment? Wow. Okay, transition to investments. Okay, um, so you you are talking about making an investment rather than actually receiving an investment. So, uh, so Lily, I guess you're 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 fundamentally in the kind of investor arm uh, here. Investments are, are are an interesting thing. Um, the in fact, the world of investment has changed a lot uh, over this period of time uh, with COVID as well. Especially, I mean, during this period of lockdown that we've had in the UK from March to to, to sort of now, the behaviour of investors has um, uh, has changed dramatically as well. It's because of the environment and the uh, the ability that we have to engage, connect, and be able to see the whites of the eyes of our uh, investees, etc. But if I was to give you some tips on uh, on uh, on making investments, the first thing that I uh, the first thing that you really need to do is. Make sure that you're investing into something which you have some degree of knowledge or experience of. I find a lot of people that come in and want to want to make investments. They they kind of jump on things based on the fact that a it's just technology, or you know it's going to be the next Facebook or the next unicorn, and they get excited by this. If you don't really understand the 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 business genre or the or what the business is doing or the the environment or industry it sits in. it can be a little bit difficult for you to really qualify why you're making an investment into that. I mean, if you're just jumping in because everyone else is jumping in, you're punting, you're not invested. So rule number one for me normally is have some, um, some, um, some education or some insights into the industry that, you're, uh, that this investment is in. The second thing is um, don't invest just in the business, invest in the people. Um, I think it's important that you understand that the business is there because the people who um, who are bringing it forward have, have put it there. Are these the type of people that you could work with? Do you trust? Do you feel that they have the, uh, the je ne sais quoi, as they say, of, uh, of being able to move uh, this opportunity forward? Um, I think uh, people by people, it's a whole Zig Ziglar thing, you know, um, that, that, and if you, don't, if you don't actually feel that um, the people behind the business are strong enough, um, the chances are that business isn't going to go um, as far as you want it to. And the third uh, kind of uh, variable or, or, or tip that I think about here is how are they making money? Um, look, investment isn't just a feel-good factor. If you want to you punt, you're better off going to the Grand National and, and placing a bet. That's, that's probably more excitement of gambling. You don't want to gamble. Investment's not about gambling. Yes, there is a risk element that's built into this, but, uh, but it's a calculated risk. Um, so the variable of, of, of monetization is really, really important. How do they profit? How do they make money? Um, because you're not putting money in for no money to be generated. You want The reason you're investing is you want your investment to grow. You want it to mature. So three things that I would get you started off with. You know, educate yourself in the industry that, um, that 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 business sits in. Second thing is look at the people behind the business and see what how connected you are to that. And the third thing is make sure that um, there is a viable way of making money in that business. Um, let's move on to the next question, uh, Lily uh, so Yes, Claire from Facebook Live feed. Uh, we need to grow our team, but obviously that costs. Uh, that's a cost element to our business do we just take a plunge to accumulate this is a this is an interesting question Claire and, and and actually this question is um probably three or four different questions mapped up into one um when it comes to growing a business, there are three factors that you need. Uh, you need, um, you, uh, it, it, or if you're going to scale a business, there are these three factors. You obviously need a, a market opportunity that's allowing you to scale. You're going to need a. You're going to need a strategy that's going to enable you to increase the, the customers acquisition. And the third thing is you're going to need the resources to be able to handle the growth. It's no point you taking more and more orders on if you can't. Um, if you can't service all of them the right way, so there's this whole operational process that goes alongside this. And most uh, most small businesses' conundrum is: well, I would really love to have more people, but there are two things: I don't know where to find them, and I don't know if I can afford them. Um, so affordability. Let's 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 address that the the first case you'll be very surprised uh, about how uh, how affordability works you see because most people what they do is they think about someone in their annual salary uh, and their annual salary expectation let's say, let's say for example the annual salary of a new resource is 36000 that's an average of about 3000 pounds a month now if i was in your shoes at this at this time i wouldn't be thinking about the annual salary i'll be thinking about the monthly The first thing I would ask myself is, what do I have in terms of financial resource and capacity within my business that will enable me to afford someone to come in at uh, at £3,000 a month? The second thing that I think about here is then, right, what does the business need to do in terms of performance of sales and revenue to be able to bring up, to afford that person now, if the answer to those two questions is is, is still a little bit uh, kind of long-winded and that's you know, the old conundrum of you can't get a job um, you know, without experience and you can't get experience without a job, it's the same thing here. You can't get the new sales in because you haven't got the resource and you can't get the resource because you don't have the new sales. One of the other factors you need to start thinking about is, right, what is it I need to do? You're the business owner at the end of the day. Sometimes that means you've got to roll your sleeves back up and get back in, into the trenches and, and get on and actually start making these kind of sales and deals. Try and step away from actually looking at alternative finance um, right now for, um, for, for bringing staff in. It's not the right measure because it's, that's a comfort factor it's a comfort blanket that people put on themselves and say well i can i can go and take a loan out and then actually use that to actually bring people in mm, you're hed- you're not hedging the right way i think the strategy needs to you need to build a real um 3 6 12 month strategy into play and i think that will then allow you to introduce how or what type of resource you need to bring in so when you do look at growing your team what is it that you're trying to grow in your team why are you trying to grow that and what revenue or how much increase in revenue is that additional resource going to be bringing in one of the rules i have is um on both profit uh, or management of money in in your business and how staff work uh the the the, the managing money is a 33 or 33 rule so it's never going to be 100 percent. it's always going to be 99 percent. so one third of the revenue generate has to go back in to cover the cost of the activity that you've done one third of the revenue uh, that you generate uh, needs to allow you to redo that same activity, and one third needs to be put away as, as margin, uh, which allows you to increase the activity. And the same thing applies to your, um, uh, the same kind of thinking applies to the resources that you're trying to bring into your team. Um, if you've got something that's going to be um, valued at around 35, 36,000, they're going to be having to, you know, can they bring over a hundred thousand pounds worth of value into the business by bringing them in? Um, does that role has that role been defined in a way that um, that will enable you to bring that kind of value in? Because if it does, then it makes itself sustainable. So just to reiterate, a couple of tips here for you to think about. Um, don't take the plunge, don't take the plunge. Uh, uh, just just yet. Yeah, think about this a little bit more strategically. Um, And what you're doing here is um, first of all, think about the role, um, understand what it is that you're trying to, what do you need to achieve with that role? How much value is that role going to be bringing um, to the business in terms of increasing? Then understand what is it that you have in your existing resources remit that will enable you to get that kind of person on board. So, for example, if it was a £3,000 a month salary, but you couldn't afford it as a business, but you could afford 2000 that's where your negotiation point starts. And it could be a situation of getting someone in and then actually moving them up. And so, so be a little bit methodical and think, you know, think about those kind of things because it's usually the bit that everyone gets stuck at. They think, well, I haven't got the money to bring people in and I don't know where to find them. They're all there out there. In fact, there are more people out there uh, than ever, especially with the fellow schemes coming to an end, you're going to find an abundance of talent out there and an abundance of talent who are going to be willing to come in. I'm not saying work for peanuts, but be able to work with you to be able to go along that line. So, So there are some tips there. I hope you found those kind of useful. Sergio from Twitter DM. Hello, Ketan. What do you think it takes to be a disruptor in the market that's already so competitive? Okay. I'm going to answer this one really, really quickly and simply. Um, and the reason I'm going to do that, Sergio, is I want you to take what I'm going to be saying and, 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 and manifest something out of it for yourself. There are three principal rules to disruption. Okay, the three, three, three uh, primary um, principle rules. Um, the first is you've got a challenge convention. Okay, so there's always going to be more than one answer to any one question. Even if the market is that competitive, there is still an answer that no one else has put out on the table. So, challenge convention. Not everything that everyone is putting out there is correct and the right way. Okay. There is always going to be another way. If you think about the, uh, the number nine, how many different permutations of math sums could you put to, to get to the number nine? All right. That's number one. Number two is create imbalance. Now, disruption, the word disruption, is a negative convo- uh, connotation, but if you're using it from a positive perspective, what we're talking about here is positivity and negativity. You're gonna have to be looked at and people are gonna hate you as much as they're gonna love you. So people are gonna misunderstand you as much as they understand you, and that's okay. It's the whole th- ripple effect, uh, the, the effect of throwing something in the water, the water goes up and down, and that's your disruption. Create imbalance. And the third thing, Sergio, that you've got to think about is you've got to keep taking action. Believe me, I've been in places where people have said, You are a fool, you this does not work, you will never be able to do this. Why are you even trying this? You know, you're, you're and you just gotta go cut through the noise, you've got to keep taking action and keep going, keep going, keep going. And eventually what happens, like that surface of the water, it will. It will stabilize, um, and then that's where your ripples. That's when people understand what it is and how you work. So, for example, when technologies like Uber and everything first came out, there was this fear factor of people, you're not going to use it because of this or that or this. Now, today, it's, it's part and parcel of everyone's life, for example. So when you're looking about being disruptive, even in a highly competitive market, those are the three rules that I give you. Challenge convention, create imbalance, and keep taking action. So let's move on quick because i know uh we haven't got much time uh well we're only got about a minute or so left basically so so uh oh wow actually yes it's a it's a wrap-up so it's uh unfortunately there's so many other questions i wanted to take there um you know keep firing them through the quickbooks uh channels and maybe i can come on there and answer them for you um but uh but uh, let's uh, let's go for the poll results. So one of the, the the poll that we asked you was, are you confident um, that you have the right strategy to thrive for the next three months? Okay, fifty um, percent of you amazingly said yes, and fifty percent of you voted no. So you know, none of you went kind of went in the middle to say that you need more inf- information. Let me give you a little bit of a, a touch point on that. Um, Those of you that are confident with the right strategy, that's great. Keep focused onto that. Don't veer away from it. If if you believe in it, keep following it uh, through. Those of you that have said, no, you're not confident, you need to get out there. You need to have these conversations with experts. You need to start talking up and really getting to the root of where your fear is. It's not that you're not confident. You're not comfortable with something. Get that elephant out of the room. Get it out quickly. Get the conversation going. Sometimes it could be very something very small or trivial that can kind of set you on your way. So again, as I say, if you have any questions, please then get in touch with QuickWorks support team or myself. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at, at Ketan underscore Macawana. Now, coming up on Ask the Expert tomorrow, boy, oh boy, do we have someone um, magnificent coming on. Ariona, who is the Managing Director of a Majors Accounts, which has been nominated for the Independent Firm of the Year, Greater London, by the British Accountancy Awards. Arion um, herself has been uh, nominated for three awards for the Women in Accounting and Finance Awards 2020, so make sure you tune in to speak to Ariona. Get your questions ready for her, she's going to she's going to be brilliant, um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, it's the 101th Uh, 101st one so you know that that, that's got a monument to uh, to go with it as well and a reminder that if you have any if you need any more advice join that official Intuit QuickBooks uh, SMB community on Facebook if you haven't already joined so there are accountants and business experts on there on hand 24 7 you can reach out to me uh, on my Twitter handle or through that group there I really enjoyed answering your questions this morning I really hope you've enjoyed Uh, this 100th episode. It's been so cool. I mean, look at the balloons and everything, right? Have a great day and stay disruptive.